In Matthew 13, which is part of the great parables that Jesus spoke on, the last part of that chapter deals with a parable that he talks about wheat and tares. And he breaks them down and begins to give a scenario of the two, how they came into being. It says, the kingdom of heaven's likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up the, also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now it doesn't take somebody with a theological degree to figure out in that day, harvest time, it's gonna be a lot better to go to the barn than it is to be burned. Two choices, that's all there is. This enemy had come into the field, the field of picture of the world, had sown these tares and when they spring up together, you can't tell the difference between the two. They look alike when they're tender plants, when they start to grow, you can't look at them and say that's wheat and that's tare. In fact, you'll find out it's at the time of the fruit harvest that they really begin to understand why the tares are there and the wheat is there and how they can tell the difference. The difference is simple as wheat matures and when it gets ripe to harvest and the head, heads of, of wheat begins to get full, it begins to bow down, but tares are not that way. They're, they're light in the head and they stand up taller. So when harvest time comes, the wheat begins to bow, but the tares, they stand up. It's a picture of pride. When you get closer to the end of the journey, you're gonna find out which side you're on and who you're serving and what you are. When harvest time comes, it's easy to find out the difference between the two. He said, let them grow together. And they grew together. But I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't wanna be in that group that's bundled together. I wanna be in that group when he gathers the sheaves together to bring them into the place of safety forevermore. And that's what this is a picture of. When he gathers the sheaves together, it is a picture of him bringing his children together to be in a place of safety, which we call heaven, and be there forevermore. But what does it mean to harvest this wheat? You see, for the wheat to wind up in a place of safety, there's a process that has to take place. The first thing is there has to be the shearing of the, of the wheat. It has to be cut off from the root system that binds it to this earth. We don't like the fact that there's going to be a day come in our life where that we have to face a terrible enemy called death, but death is the thing that severs us from this world once and for all. We're in the world, but not of the world. We live here, we love the Lord, 
but we still live in a wicked world and we can't get away from things and we can't change things. But there's coming a time when harvest time comes that he'll sever us from that place of the roots of this world. Do you remember when the Lord set you free from this world? When he finally came to a place spiritually where he brought you out of the bondage that tied you to this world and the world doesn't have a hold on you any longer and you know that you're free because he has severed you from the ties of this world. That's a picture of death. And by the way, there was a time where that you were dead in sin. Now you're to be dead to sin. There's a severing to it that takes place. So not only is it cut off from that source, the roots that bind it to this earth, but then they are put together in, in shears or shocks or sheaves. They often call them a shock. And when they put the shock together, there's a reason why. I got intrigued. I wanted to know, why did they call it like a fodder shock? Why do they call it a shock? That's a strange name. And we all have seen it. We've, we've seen it with corn in our area. It's a common sight. But they bundle this wheat together the same way. And the reason why is because that's really what they do is they shock the wheat. They put it in bundles. So now you have these coming together, good and bad, they're cut off and now they're bundled together and they take them to the threshing floor. The threshing floor is an elevated place. When it gets to the threshing floor, they do two things. First of all, they drop it, sudden impact. And whenever they drop the shock on the threshing floor, the rock, then it's divided they do it to separate the two. So this is a separation process. He said, if you pull it up, now you're going to root up the wheat with the tares, but I'll be able to divide it fine. Do you know something? The Lord knows them that are his own. And there's gonna be the shock of all shocks when one day he comes to the place where he separates Someone asked a great preacher of yesteryear, said, what do you think the biggest surprise will be when you get to heaven? He said, the first surprise is there'll be a lot of people there that I didn't think would be there. The second surprise will be that there'll be a lot of people not there that I thought would be. But the greatest shock of all is that I get to be there. And that's the way that we feel. Sometimes we wonder why would God save us and give us this wonderful privilege that we have, but he does. And there comes a time of division where that he says he is the judge of all and he'll divide all. So first comes that shock. But not only is there the shock, but then there's the separation. They now have the wheat on the threshing floor. Sometimes they'll use oxen to trample the wheat underfoot, to try to break the stalks. After the, the oxen have made its trip over it, the next thing they do is they'll take a flail and they'll beat it or they'll flail it. The reason why they're trying to flail it is because now that it's been separated, they're trying to get to the best part of the wheat. See, in the head of the, of the wheat, there is a hull. It's a hardened hull. But inside of that hall, there is a heart. And the only way you can get to the heart is to break the head. I'm preaching right now. 
The Lord's not concerned about what you know here. He's concerned about what you believe here. He's not so concerned about what you know mentally. It's what you have in your heart. It's the heart that believes under righteousness. It's with the heart that we're able to reach out to God. Do you know why we see such a change in this world today? It's because the heart's not right with God. The, the, the problem with this entire world, it's, it's not the world's not the problem. The problem is the human heart. That's the heart of the problem. And the Lord says something needs to be done with your heart. He's after your heart tonight. That's what he's concerned with. Do you believe with your heart? Do you love him with your heart? Do you reach out to others with a heart of compassion and love? He's after our heart. But there's nothing that reveals your heart like breaking. When Jesus saw the multitude and they brought that lad's lunch, he took the bread in his hand. He took the fishes and with bread in hand, the Bible says he blessed it. It didn't multiply when he blessed it. The Bible says after that he blessed it, he told the disciples, He broke it and said, pass it out. The miracle didn't come when he blessed it. The miracle came when he broke it. There's a lot of people that misunderstand things in life that break us. God knows what you are. God knows who you are. God knows what you can go through. God knows the trials that you can endure. And God knows exactly how far that you can tolerate certain things. And when we feel like that we're broken, we feel like God is punishing us. But really what he's doing is he's multiplying our life. It doesn't come merely through blessing. People all the time say, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Well, we want God's blessings. But the blessing Blessings doesn't come always in the good times. The blessing comes through the brokenness sometimes. It's when his body was broken as far as being beaten. When his blood was offered up, that's where the blessing came. You really don't know what you have in you until the pressure comes on you. You want to find out what what you have way down inside? When pressure comes on you, whatever's inside of you is what comes out of you. If the pressure comes and times of heartache come and brokenness come and you say, I knew God would fail me, that was in your heart before the pressure ever came. But if your heart is filled with praise and thankfulness for what God has done, That's what will come out of you. There's a dear couple in our church. They're dear friends of ours. And the wife had a cousin that came down with ALS. I don't know how many of you are familiar. Many folks call it Lou Gehrig's disease. But her cousin had come down with ALS. They watched her body break down little by little, week after week. They got the call that her cousin was near death. By that point, uh, the disease had so attacked her body until she had very, very limited movement left. She was able to just barely move 
a little bit of one finger, two fingers on one hand. And she kept trying to slide that hand up. She was standing by her cousin and they were trying to find out what she wanted in these last hours of her life and said it just seemed like nothing would appease her. So they started playing some gospel music. That seemed to help, but that still wasn't what she wanted. She said, as I'm standing there helpless and I'm thinking, Lord, if my cousin could do anything right now, what would she be doing if she could do it, if she had the ability? And she said, just like a mighty rushing wind, the Lord came on her and said, you know what she'd be doing. And she went back in her mind to the times that they had gone to church together. And she told her husband, said, get on her other side, take her arms, and said, we lifted her arms up. And what little bit of a smile she could give. It seemed as though she was saying, that's all I ever wanted was to lift my hand to the Lord. Do you know why? Because there's some things that disease can't take from you. It cannot take the joy of the Lord out. It cannot take away the peace that you have, the praise that you have. It's inside of us and all the brokenness does is it brings it out. Mike and I have a pastor friend in Northern Ohio we hold a meeting for every year. And two or three years ago, one of the ladies in his church had a terrible fall. Broke her hip, broke her wrist. They finally got her out of the hospital. Surgery's all done. They had to take her somewhere for therapy. When they got her there for therapy, they said, now some of this will be very painful. Said, we want to we assess you to see what you can do. They realized she was very limited, limited on her movement, limited on her abilities, until finally they said, are you able to raise your hands? And she said, now that's one thing I get plenty of practice doing. And said when she could do nothing else, she would lift her hands and said when her hands went up, her mouth opened up and praise come out. That's the way that it works. There's some things that the enemy cannot take from us. We may be broken on the outside, but we're doing just fine on the inside. And God is watching over us and God will honor us. And through the brokenness, he'll multiply us and bless us. Then comes the sorting. They've now broken the hall, the head. And now they've got to the heart of the wheat. But they still have to sort that out because you've got hall and you've got heart. The halls are useless. The heart is what they want to harvest. So how are they going to do it? Well, this is what they do on that threshing floor. They take, take it all together. They scoop it up. And this is one of the most important things in the process. The wind has to be blowing. So they scoop it up and throw it up into the air. And with the wind blowing against it, the wind blows away everything that is useless and everything that is good falls back down on the rock. 
You can say amen if you want to. I'm busy preaching right now. Thank God for the blessed wind of the Holy Ghost. That after we feel like we've been crushed and nothing else is left, the Lord throws us to the wind and the wind does the work that we're not able to do ourselves. And all that happens when the wind blows is it just blows away everything that's useless. Aren't you thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost as the breeze of heaven blows on us? God never takes away anything from us except the things that are useless. You may feel like you can't get along with, without it, but God says, I know what you're going to need tomorrow. You may feel like you're dependent on it, but God says, no, anything that's useless, I'll take it out of your life. We hear so much about people testifying for what God has given them. I don't know about you. I'm glad for some of the things God took away. Don't forget to praise him for the things that are gone the things that were useless. It's the wind that does that. Then comes the season that it all happens. It happens at Pentecost. That's harvest time. That's when the breeze started to blow. 50 days after Passover, seven weeks at the beginning of the 50th day, the end of the seventh week, Pentecost. Pentecost didn't come in the book of Acts. Pentecost had been followed as a feast through all of the Old Testament. It's a time where they've gone from the first fruits to a time now of harvest and praising God for the harvest. There's a season. Now let's get this right. I'm not going to stand here and I don't want you to leave this place and say, I went to hear Cal preach and when he preached, he told me the day that the Lord is coming or the hour the Lord is coming, no man knows that. But he does tell us we know the season. And can I stand with all confidence and tell you this? It's about going home time. The breeze is blowing. Time is running out. It's harder than it's ever been to get unsaved people interested in their soul. They're blinded. Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them lest they should believe and be saved. The importance of the soul has now taken a backseat in life and people no longer want to bring it to the forefront of their mind. But you mark this down. Whether people are being saved or not being saved, whether your church is growing or not growing, whether you are happy or not happy, whether you have everything you want or don't have anything you want, none of those things changes the season. It's going home time. You think it hasn't changed? I mentioned to you how long I've been doing it, and that's nothing compared to some other preachers that's here. Ask them if it's changed much. You say, oh, that's the circles you're running in. No. Two years has changed this nation. COVID with one disease 
The enemy changed the landscape so quickly, it's almost scary. And now, it's not uncommon to hear from churches that were growing, thriving churches contact me and say, pray for us, Brother Evans. We can't get a preacher. There's just a few of us coming. We don't know how we're going to keep our doors open. You say, what do you tell someone like that? Lift up your head. Redemption's drawing not. Now's not the time to drop your head. Now's not the time to be discouraged. It's almost time to be gathered in to safety. The seed is there. The farmer has the seed. And he says, I'm going to take the seed to the barn. The question's simple tonight. I'm not going to ask you, are you going to die? That's already decided. You might think you're not, but you are. Death's coming. When you die, only two destinies. What group will you be in? Is it well with your soul? Do you know Him as your Savior?